So Psalm 149 is the second to last psalm, and, it, uh, and some of it says this. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, and His praise in the congregation of the godly ones. Let Israel be glad in His Maker. Let the sons of Zion rejoice in their King. Let them praise His name with dancing, sing His praises with timbre and lyre, for the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He will beautify the afflicted ones with salvation. Let the godly ones exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword on their hand to execute vengeance on the nation and punishment to the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written. This is the honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. The psalm speaks of uh, the great reality of God for his people. That they exalt in him, that they praise him, that they uh, thank him for things that he has done on their behalf. They are people who God is very real to. And so uh, during the short time that we have this evening, I want to uh, invoke that idea to you. I want to evoke the simple idea that may seem uh, a little too simple, that God is real. But for it to, but this weekend, as we talk about being dependent on Him, the very first thing, the very first step for us to understand is that God is real. He is real, is, is, He is more real than anything you've ever uh, seen before or heard before. He is the one who made us, He is the one that redeems us, He is the one that cares for us. And as we think about what it would look like to be dependent on him and to live life with him, we need to understand that he is real. I'm not sure who, I'm not sure who said this, uh, but I'm sure you've heard this before. That while we need to uh, kind of spend a minute talking about the reality of God is that we can be among the people of God doing the things of God and still miss God. Amen? Amen. Nodding. Yeah. <laughs> if you'll turn with me to Hebrews 11.6. So we'll just turn to a couple places in a short time this evening. Hebrews 11.6. This is not a, a verse that you have um, noted in your uh, Bible. I really encourage you to note it. Uh, very a very simple premise, um, really helpful for us in this concept, with this concept. Verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. And this is the part that I want to um, focus on here for just a second. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Uh, someone uh, my wife was having a conversation with this week said, I think so many times we feel like God is a taker. From us. That we view him as someone who takes things from us. He takes fun, he takes people, uh, he takes things out of our lives. But I think that if we see him like that, that we haven't actually seen him. Because God is a lover of our souls. We must believe that God exists and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. 
See, what the author of Hebrews speaks uh, about is that if someone were to want God, they must trust that he exists in reality, not hoping he exists or saying he exists, but living as if he does. And that that God that they seek, that they know is real, is a rewarder. He is a giver. That seems so simple, but, but think about how you view God sometimes. Uh, Tozer, uh, an old pastor, um, said that the most important thing that we, that, we, um, that we can think is what we think about God. So I ask you, what do you think about God? Is he real to you? For most of my Christian life, uh, he was not. He was a person that I read about, and he was a person that I heard about, and he was a person that I experienced in worship sometimes, or a person that I experienced sometimes in fellowship or community. But he was not a person that when I was by myself that I felt like I really knew. And Jesus in his high priestly prayer in John 17, 3 says, And this is eternal life, to know God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Just to know him is life. There are many things for us to think about God, but is one of them, he is real. If he is real, then he is as real as you or I. And if he is as real as you or I, then his existence demands a response. If God exists, then what kind of God is that? Well, the Bible tells very clearly that he is a God that wants to know us. And he is a God that reveals himself to us. He is a God that loves us and has moved on our behalf. He is a person that wants intimate life with us. That is why he created us. He created us to be dependent on him. If God exists, we should want to go to him. And if we want to go to him, then we have to trust that he is. Uh, turn with me to Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. What a beautiful scripture. What great instruction. Except that he, for us to do these things, for, him to tr for us to trust him with our whole heart, for us to lean not on our own understanding, that he has to be real. <coughs> The reality of him needs to meet the full weight of what is being asked. We are uh, 
As New Testament Christians, we are people of Jesus, and we love Jesus. We like him a whole lot, but so many people that like Jesus don't know God. John 14, 9 says, He who has seen me has seen the Father. See, how is that so that we can love Jesus and not know God or not love God? When he is who he is, think of Jesus is the most beloved person on the face of the earth. He is beloved for his teaching and he is beloved for his kindness and his mercy and his sacrifice. This is who God is. This is the reality of God. This shows how much he loved us, that he sent a manifestation of himself just in case you missed it for all those thousands of years that I was loving my people, that I'm going to come and I'm going to show you again what I look like. The God who has cattle on a thousand hills and sets the stars in their place wants to be the most real, significant person in your entire life. Trust in this person with all of your heart. Lean not on, on, on your own understanding, but acknowledge that person. In all your ways, acknowledge that person. And that person will make your path straight. See, we don't often trust in things that are not real to us. We trust in these things with some of our heart. And, and we lean on their understanding some of the times. And we acknowledge some of their ways. And in turn, he keeps our path straightish. God is real, and faith is living in that reality. It's nothing more difficult than that. If God is real, then faith is living in that reality. Living in that reality will necessitate moving away from some things. All of us have a paradigm in which we live, that we value these things and not these other things. But if God is real... And he is the God that's real in the Bible, and he is the God that is manifested in the person of Christ, then that reality has significance, and that reality necessitates that we change our lives in whatever way possible to accommodate him. Faith is choosing God's reality over the world's ideas. The reality that we need to choose is the one where God can do all things. Not just some things. All things. Don't you want to live in that world? Where he's in charge and not everyone individually? The test of reality, if you believe something is real, is that you do something about it. Uh, tomorrow during devotional time, you're going to get a, a little excerpt from a, um, a book that I find very helpful. In it, author named Dallas Willard, who I, um, I referenced a good bit, he describes, he describes faith as uh, reliance, trust, confidence upon something in attitude and action. Faith is reliance, trust, or confidence upon something in attitude and action. 
Faith is also reliance revealed in attitude and action. So when we talk about this God, him being real, and if he's real, right, then we do something about that, that we can form our lives around that reality. You know this in every aspect of your life. You already do this. The things that you value, the things that you find uh, helpful, the things that you want to be real in your life, you do them. You coalesce to them. As we think about the faith being the reliance, trust, confidence upon something, an attitude and action, then faith is also reliance uh, revealed in attitude and action. And I want to talk about this idea of attitude being our consistent or fundamental posture in life. Each of you in this room have an attitude towards life, don't you? Uh, your friends can all describe what that attitude is. <laughs> Attitudes are consistent or fundamental posture in life. Action is how we move and do in the world. So faith, right, the thing we believe, the thing that's most real in our lives, right, is, is revealed to us by our actions and our attitude. And so do we reveal that we know God in our attitude and in our actions? Do we reveal the reality of God in our attitude and in our actions? You should turn with me uh, 1 Chronicles 28.9. 1 Chronicles 28.9. So this is David towards the end of his life speaking to his son Solomon, the great wisdom that he's revealed, the man after God's own heart. What does he have to say to his son before he passes the kingdom over to him? 1 Chronicles 28, 9. He says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your fathers. As for you, Solomon, I want God to be real to you. I want you to know intimately the God that I have known my entire life. Solomon, I want you to know the God that my father Abraham knew. As for you, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. The most important thing about these verses is the reality they presuppose. Have you ever thought, we read this Bible so often, but have you ever thought that this Bible assumes a reality? From beginning to end, God is there. And God is working and He is active. He is knowable. This Bible assumes that God is real. <laughs> In every page, it is seeking for us to understand that reality. Who He is and what He's about. What he's done for the people that he's loved and that he's covenanted with. What he's done for the, uh, to the people who have uh, rejected him. Who have sought to live 
apart from that reality. If God exists, then we are his servants, and he is not ours. All of these things are seem so simple, <laughs> but they're things that we struggle with mightily, aren't they? I remember not him not feeling real, about me not understanding this. It was so frustrating. So much of, of Christianity and so much of what we were taught doesn't make any sense until we understand that simple fact that faith is living in the reality that God is real. Until God is real in our lives, then life will be an egocentric exercise that is difficult to us and somewhat insufferable for those around us. For how can we find, for how can they find room in themselves, for themselves, if your life is crowded with just you? You don't have to turn here, just write down these verses and we'll, uh, we'll end here. Just a couple uh, verses that I want to uh, just read to you. Jeremiah 19.23, thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me. That that would be the taunt above all taunts. <laughs> oh yeah, well I know God. And I would be so excited because we know people that know God and we've met them. Uh, throughout Acts, which we'll study in the spring semester, over and over again, uh, men that have been with Jesus uh, come into contact with people that they would never come in contact with. And one such trial, after they examine the men, they go away amazed because these unlearned, <laughs> unskilled men had been with Jesus. That the most powerful men in the country were, were enamored with these men only because they had known Jesus. That's how much he had changed them. It was that evident in their lives. But let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things. Is that not a God that we want to know? That delights in righteousness, loving kindness, and justice. I quoted John 17, 3 for you uh, earlier. I just want to read that again. John 17, 3, write that down. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. There might not be a more profound verse in the Bible that, that life is knowing Christ. Ephesians 
speaking of the body being built up until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. That that is our that is what he what he is pushing us towards. That is what our brethren are hoping for us to come in contact with this is for them to know God. That is the pinnacle. And it's okay to be there that we speak. That Father, I have faith. Father, I believe. Help my unbelief. Pray, Father, make yourself real to me. Philippians 3.10 This is Paul, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. 2 Peter 1.3 2 Peter 1.3 Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. And lastly, as we conclude, as we think about this reality, right, of, of that God can be more real to us than he is right now. That God is the most real thing that has ever existed. And he wants you. That the fact that this reality involves us Choosing Him over other things. Because that's what it means to be God. For Him to be your God and for you to be His person, that you have to choose Him over other things. Just like Renee is my person, I have to choose her over other people. Philippians 3, 7 and 8. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss, for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. This is the declaration of a man who knows God. Who experiences the full reality of him in every part of his life. And he acts accordingly. My prayer this weekend as I, as I uh, put this in front of myself and I put this in front of you, that God is real and he needs to be uh, real to us and that we need to pursue hard after him, is that this weekend would be a time that you would begin to do that if you haven't done that before. This is not a gotcha time. This is not a time where you, you have scored low on some test. I just want you to realize that he is available. <laughs> For, for faith to be simplified for you and for the person that you, uh, for that, that, um, that you want to longingly put your faith in can be a person as real as the people sitting next to you. And so that, that verse in Philippians, we want that to be our heart's cry. Even if we don't get it, even if we can't say it right now, we want that to be true. We want to understand how Paul could say that because if, he, if you heard that said about anything, you would want that thing, wouldn't you? Yeah. I'm going to close with this. 
If we would indeed know God in growing intimacy, we must go this way of renunciation. And if we are set upon the pursuit of God, we will sooner or later, uh, He will sooner or later bring us to this test. Abraham's testing, and this is speaking of the time uh, of uh, him offering Isaac on the altar. Abraham's testing was at that time not known to him as such. Yet if he had taken some course other than the one he did, the whole history of the Old Testament would have been different. God would have found his man, no doubt, but the loss to Abraham would have been tragic beyond the telling. So we will be brought one by one to the testing place. And we may never know when we are there. And at that testing place, there will be no dozen possible choices for us, just one and an alternative. But our whole future will be conditioned by the choice that we make. And that choice is the choice of faith. To choose to act as if God is real or if he isn't. And we have that choice a million times a day. And so the choice is yours. And it's the choice uh, you've had your entire life, and it's the choice that you'll have all weekend. And so I pray that, uh, that this would be a time that we would encourage each other to make that choice and to make it again and again and again and again. And that we would enjoy the life that comes from making that choice again and again and again and again. you close your eyes with me, I'm going to pray this prayer over you. Father, we want to know Thee. But my coward heart fears to give up my toys and knowing other things above You. I cannot part with these things without inward bleeding. And I do not try to hide from Thee the terror of the parting. I come trembling but I do come. Please root from my heart all those things which I have cherished so long, which have become a very part of my living self, so that thou mayest enter and dwell there without arrival. Then shall you make the place of thy feet glorious. Then shall my heart have no need of the sun to shine in it, for thyself will be the light of me and there shall be no light in there. Father, this we pray.